Hey everybody, you're listening to Life Below the Surface, presented by Carriage Kia. The podcast where we take you on a deeper dive into the lives of the animals at Georgia Aquarium and the people who care for them. Coming up on this episode. Most people don't understand how connected we are to the animals that are a part of the aquarium. We have a staff of nearly 600 people here with an ultimate goal of making sure that these animals have the best lived experience possible. The ocean has us so far beat. I mean, what happens in the level of complexity of what happens in the water compared to what happens on land? It's fascinating to me. The other struggle is this has not historically been a space for someone that looks like me. I haven't um, been the first black president or CEO of an aquarium in the United States or AZA accredited facility at an AZA accredited facility. That was only five or six years ago. I'm Josh Blaylock. For the past 20 years, I've been in the zoological community. I was an animal care specialist for 15 of those years, caring for sea lions, dolphins, otters, walruses, birds, and a wide variety of different species. And now I'm very happy to be the senior manager of exhibits and projects here at Georgia Aquarium. In this podcast, I'm going to introduce you to some of my amazing co-workers and tell you some behind-the-scenes stories of how Georgia Aquarium works. This is Life Below the Surface, presented by Carriage Kia. Life Below the Surface is presented by Carriage Kia in Woodstock. Carriage is Georgia's leading Kia dealer and one of the top dealers in the entire nation. Service, community, and education are hallmarks of Carriage Kia in Woodstock. When it's time for you to lease or purchase your new vehicle, we hope you'll consider Carriage Kia in Woodstock. Check them out 24-7 at carriagekiawoodstock.com. Welcome back to another episode of Life Below the Surface. I'm your host, Josh Blaylock, and today I am joined by arguably the most important person at Georgia Aquarium, and that's because he's everybody's boss. That is none other than Dr. Brian Davis, President and CEO of Georgia Aquarium. Brian, welcome to Life Below the Surface. Thanks a lot. I like being underwater, so I'm enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> can I call you Brian? You absolutely can. Okay, it's cool to be able to call your boss by his first name. <laughs> so, Brian, number one, before we really get into it, what have you thought of, of the podcast so far? Have you heard good things about it? I love it. I love the mix of people that are part of it. It sort of gives some insights into all aspects of Georgia Aquarium, which I think is fantastic. And I just love that we're broadening um, and looking at different opportunities to be able to engage people. This podcast is taken off and obviously there's a fair amount of interest. So well done, my friend. Well done. It's been a team effort from the top down. We really put this together to get that message out. And I know getting our message out is something that is extremely important to you. Critically important. The work that we do here, I, I don't think enough people know how much time, energy and effort goes into what's done at the aquarium each and every day. Not just the conservation work on a global scale and educating hundreds of thousands of students, but what it takes to care for these amazing animals is um, it's a lot of work. And what we learned from them has uh, been very valuable with a lot of the papers that have been written and, and the outstanding work that we're a part of. So um, it's critical work. And listen, I still feel like a five-year-old anytime I'm in this space seeing these animals. So. I love it. Pretty incredible. And our setup here is not too bad. The view, <laughs> too bad. The view <laughs> not too shabby at all. Yeah. yeah. The view into Ocean Voyager never, ever, ever gets old. Yeah. So, so you brought up many, many good points there that we'll get to a little bit later on. Okay. But the reason why people are here today, the reason why 
we wanted to bring you in is because we wanted to hear more about you and your story about how you came to be president and CEO of Georgia Aquarium. So we're going to take a huge step back. Not huge. I didn't mean to say that you're old. I'm old. Awesome. I'm sorry. No. You just implied it. This, I don't know if you meant to, but you did. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, this will be my last podcast because I have just been let go. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> just kidding. All right. Brian, let's take it back a little bit here. Can you tell us how did all of this start for you? And by all of this, I kind of mean your amazing and inspiring career? Uh, well, the journey's been really interesting. I think I got into this totally by mistake, just a love for a, a different world, just being immersed in a different world, but it started in a really interesting way. I grew up in New Jersey. I'm the youngest of four boys, and there was a, probably about an eight-year gap between my brother next to me and me. So my three older brothers would hang out in the surf. We'd go down to the shore every summer and we'd have a blast. And if I got in the water with them, I was usually the, the object that got thrown around. So I spent a lot of time hanging out on the shoreline and just fascinated by horseshoe crabs and shells and all kinds of things I found at the beach. But it also sparked sort of a love for the ocean. And somewhere along the line, I, I think it was Flipper. That's gonna date me right there. Flipper, um, I started getting infatuated with dolphins. And with that, I developed a passion over years for dolphin in particular, but oceans uh, sort of in the broader scheme. And I decided I wanted to be a marine biologist. And um, my parents wanted me to be an engineer. So I got into engineering school and um, changed my major shortly thereafter to environmental science with a focus in marine biology. And um, right around that time, there was a massive wash up of dolphins on the eastern seaboard. And I was sort of committed to making sure that would never happen again. So, got an internship at New York Aquarium, then I moved here to Atlanta, and um, was hired number eight here as director of education for the world's largest aquarium. And um, I couldn't believe that this aquarium was having the education program built two years before the building opened. So I felt like education was critically important, so I found a really nice connection here at Georgia Aquarium. And then um, that started sort of a journey of making my way up and um, becoming president and CEO. Sure. I think that's a really cool kind of aspect, Brian, of your journey is the fact that, and I I hate to use this, this term, you're not just some business guy. You were director of education. You come from an education background. That's in your DNA. That's part of your, you know, part of your MO or any other cliched expression I could possibly, you know, come up with. This isn't just a business venture. This is a actual educational mission for you. Yes, yes. Uh, the foundation of this is education, right? The only way that we're going to make a difference or change things is through people getting educated about the state of the ocean, the state of these animals, the complexities of ecosystems. It's all in the process of education. I don't lose sight of the business aspect of it. I'm very well versed in that space too. I know that we need to continue to have guests connecting with species from all over the world in order to be able to do the research and conservation and education, all the mission-based work that we do. So um, I have that balance, but you are absolutely correct. My foundation is an educator. I taught middle school at one point, middle school science, 
And so I'm automatically granted admission into heaven, having taught middle schoolers, that's what I've been told. But if you can teach middle schoolers science and get that connection going, I think you can navigate through some pretty interesting spaces. Middle school science teacher becomes president and CEO of the largest indoor aquarium in the Western Hemisphere. Yes. That's a journey. It is, it is a journey. There's some distance to travel there and you travel it. So obviously there has to be a drive and a motivation for you. You've kind of hinted at it, but what is that drive and motivation? Like what makes Dr. Brian Davis come into the aquarium every single day and keep it going? Like I mentioned, I'm still fascinated by it. I continue to consume knowledge about the ocean. There just seems to be a vast amount of information that we continue to learn. And I just eat it all up. The ocean has us so far beat. I mean, what happens in the level of complexity or what happens in the water compared to what happens on land? It's fascinating to me. So I am driven by understanding and learning even more. But there are a couple of elements that really drive me on a day to day. Historically, it's been my children making sure that they had a space and understanding of the ocean and the complexity of ecosystems and what they could do to preserve it. I still step out on the floor and watch families and kids do their, oh my gosh, what is that? That's a whale shark or that's a manta or that's a horseshoe, um, a seahorse or whatever the case may be. And now I have two incredible grandchildren. And so my commitment and passion for the ocean and all aquatics, it continues because they have to be able to know that they can do their part in preserving it. So yeah, it makes me get up every day and come to work. That's awesome. So speaking of driving and motivation, no one's journey is without its roadblocks, without its struggles. Not to make it too serious of a note here, but uh, I'm just curious, have you experienced struggles along your career or certain roadblocks that you've had to to overcome? Yeah, there have been a couple, but I'm just gonna touch on two. One is most people don't understand how connected we are to the animals that are a part of the aquarium. I mean, we have a staff of nearly 600 people here with an ultimate goal of making sure that these animals have the best lived experience possible. The struggle with that is a lot of times people will minimize that as if it's just another animal. No, I've experienced the tears. I've watched my staffs experience the tears. I've seen it all. I've seen the immense excitement with a birth and the total devastation with a loss. So I think the real struggle there is people do not understand that our staff dedicates their entire life to ensuring these animals have a great life. And when it's minimized or viewed as if it's not a big deal, that, that's a real struggle for me. I have a hard time with that. The other struggle is this has not historically been a space for someone that looks like me. Having um, been the first black president or CEO of an aquarium in the United States or AZA accredited facility at an AZA accredited facility. That was only five or six years ago. So people don't expect me to have the wealth of knowledge I have about the ocean or um, about these animals or the passion for it. So that has not always been an easy journey, but I will tell you this, 
I think the thing that's great about it is um, I hear it time and time again. Kids walk up to me blown away that you are what? And I think there's a, a wave of excitement about exploring the ocean from audiences that haven't historically looked at it. So I'm excited about that. So Brian, one thing, especially being an employee here, that I've noticed is that we are doing a lot with accessibility, diversity, and inclusion. So what changes have you made and what changes and things would you like to include in the future to, you know, to really kind of double down on this accessibility, diversity, and, and inclusion initiatives? Oh, I'm actually glad you brought that up, Josh. Um, that, this aquarium was not built for a few people, select people. This aquarium was really built as a gift um, from Bernie and Billy Marcus for everyone. And we really need to make sure that we're doing our part to ensure that everyone gets an opportunity to enjoy it. So when you, you mention the diversity, equity, accessibility, and inclusion, as well as um, a sense of belonging that could be a part of the organization, we've really started to take a look at that, double down on it, and figure out what we needed to do to uh, address that. One of the areas, um, we've worked with uh, an organization, Culture City, on sensory individuals that have a whole range of abilities tied to sensory um, items. And so we, ha we have a, a, a quiet room here, um, a sensory room. If someone is feeling a little overwhelmed, they could ask one of our staff here and they can utilize the sensory room. Um, we have backpacks that they can utilize to, to make sure the noise level or some of the v visuals are not too overwhelming. And on any given day, the first hour of the aquarium, the lighting's down, the music and auditory components are, are down, and they ramp up slowly throughout the morning. That had to be someone saying, we have to be more thoughtful. How can we go about ensuring that individuals that have a whole range of sensory um, or respond to sensory stimuli in a whole range of ways, what can we do to make sure that this place gives them an opportunity to fully experience the aquarium? Wounded Warrior Program, giving individuals and opportunities that have done such amazing work with serving our country, an opportunity to be able to get into Ocean Voyager and experience that. Some of the new programs that we built in Shark wheelchair accessible programs with a zero grade entry to be able to have some of those experiences. And what are we doing as far as audiences that we welcome to the aquarium and make concerted efforts to make sure everyone sees themselves reflected in our marketing and tapping into specific audiences. All of those things are really thoughtful things that we are doing to ensure that everyone knows that Georgia Aquarium is a place for them. That's awesome. And one thing I've noticed too is that, especially with our education programs, seeing the school buses from all over, not just the metro Atlanta area, but from, from way outside of Atlanta, yes. getting to see all the different school buses pull up, all the different groups that come to visit, I think really also shows the accessibility and the, and the diversity that, that the aquarium is really shooting for when it comes to our education messages. Yes. Also, as you know, we have um, a sponsored education admissions program that allows individuals that are um, 
socioeconomically or, or don't meet a certain threshold as far as income or their school is on a certain level of free and reduced lunch to allow them to have admission into the aquarium. That's really important because, as I told you, I, I, was in, I got engaged in this world when I was really young. We want to spark that for as many kids as possible. So their family may not have the means to be able to do it. And that is the entire range of people. That's black, white, Hispanic, that's the whole range of people still struggle they don't necessarily have the financial means. So we want to be able to get them connected to the aquarium early. And earlier in the podcast, you had mentioned how important it is for you to have your family come visit. You have grandkids, that next generation. What kind of conservation-minded world do you want your grandkids to inherit from us? Oh, gosh. I think I mentioned it a little bit before. Some of the, the issues that we're facing on a global scale just seem so massive. You know, when we talk about our changing climate or climate change, it just feels like, can we ever get that under control? I did my closing speech. I was the um, chairman of the board of directors for AZA, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. And I like to utilize this, this phrase. And in that speech, I said, we're, we really need to today plant trees. We, the collective adults and young people, need to plant trees for shade that we will never get to enjoy. And I'd like to twist that just a little bit. We need to plant coral (laughs) for healthy oceans that we may never really get to enjoy. But our kids can. My grandkids can. I want them to see the full richness of diversity that happens in the ocean. And I want it in a world where we get the full richness of diversity of people actively playing a role in preserving these ecosystems. So the parallels there, we want a healthy, diverse, thriving ocean, and we want a healthy, diverse, thriving population of people that work together because subtle differences in you know, socioeconomics or where you live or where you grow up or just your mindset, you need all those thoughts at the table to figure out how we're gonna really handle the big tasks that we have going on out there. You talk about those little kids that come up to you and ask you who you are, what you do, and, and, and that are excited to know that you are the president and CEO of Georgia Aquarium. What advice do you give those kids? What would you tell the next generation of, not just president and CEOs of, of aquariums, but what would you tell the next generation of scientists and kids that are excited about being here? Listen, I would tell them the same thing I would tell anyone. Pursue your passion. Whatever you're passionate about, pursue it to the fullest. The world likes to put us in nice boxes and we kind of look at you know, all of these careers that are, they're gonna make you a certain amount of money, they're gonna do this for you and they, they could fit you into this nice, wonderful box but you can get to those spaces and you can have money and you can have the cars and you can have the house and be very unhappy with what you're contributing to life. So pursue your passion. Whatever it is that you're passionate about, do it. Do it, do it, do it. And if this happens to be the ocean, do it. If it happens to be animals, do it. If it happens to be research and conservation and education, do it. And if it's a banker or financer, Do it. 
and you can also have those careers at Georgia Aquarium too. So whatever you're passionate about, just just pursue it to the fullest. Even middle school science teachers? Even middle school science. I, I have to tell you something, to be honest with you, I loved teaching middle school science. I loved it. I, I think, uh, you know, educators, they, they have a tough job. They have a really difficult job, especially with how people learn now. You know, they, they're on their computer, and that forces a, a, a teacher to be extraordinarily creative in order to connect. So to the educators out there, job well done. Keep doing what you're doing. Extraordinary work. You just touched on something really that hits close to home for me, too, and that's that nowadays everyone can get information in less than a second. Yes. You know, home entertainment with cell phone information, things like that. We as an aquarium, and especially me being in the exhibits team, we have to constantly think about how do we engage an audience that is used to a split second availability of any knowledge, any entertainment, anything like that. And I think one of the cool things about Georgia Aquarium is that we have the ability and resources to do that. Yes, I think um, we have to continually be innovative. How we are going to approach things, we have to do it in an innovative way. And to your point, it allows us to be positioned as leaders because we may have the resources to be able to pursue some of these things and understand how our guests are really connecting. I loved walking through the aquarium and seeing new technology out there that we get to pilot first, see how guests are gonna respond to it, and then ramp it up but more importantly, sharing that information with other aquariums and uh, zoos, so it, museums for that matter. So it's exciting. I, I think we're in a great position. I, I, I can't possibly begin to complain. This is a very unique situation I think we have, um, but we also have a duty to make sure we fully utilize these resources and help others along the way. It's time for a quick break as we go to everybody Everybody's, including my own favorite segment of the entire podcast, Fin Files with Carly and Kelsey. Carly, what do you got for us today? So today I was reading up on uh, bottlenose dolphins. Little known fact, this is Dr. Brian Davis, our president and CEO, his very favorite animal. So I wanted to learn a little bit more about them. And I found um, one interesting fact that I wanted to kind of bring to you guys. So dolphins are mammals. They breathe air, they give birth to live young, and they have hair. Dolphins are actually born with just a few little hairs around their rostrums that then eventually fall out as they get older. But it is a part of who they are. You wanna hear a really fun fact? Yes. So was I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I was born with a mustache too. Yeah, that's that, that's a very weird thing because when, when people who aren't familiar with with dolphins, you know, you hear that thing of you know, they're, they're a big fish, or they get that nickname of mm -hmm. fish, or something like that. But when you do explain the whole mammalian feature, you do have to have hair to be a mammal. And have you guys ever actually seen the whiskers that a baby dolphin is born with? No. Yeah, they're they're not whiskers like you would normally picture on like a dog or a sea otter, who are just whiskers kind of all over the place. It's literally a series of small dots with the smallest possible hair follicle sticking out of it and then basically one week you see it and the next week they're completely gone and the only thing left is the little dot on the rostrum where the hair follicle was fascinating yeah very cool all right that was a great one guys thank you so much we'll see you on the next fin files what goals and hopes do you have for the future of this facility i mean uh, honestly brian since you've taken over there's been 
a big push, and you can you can see it, a big push towards accessibility, diversity, inclusion, and also a ton of research projects in, in getting involved in that worldwide. Georgia Aquarium is not just, we might be Atlanta-based, but our footprint extends much, much further than the perimeter of Atlanta. Yeah. Um, we are reaching out there and, and being able to affect things around the world. So what goals, where do you see that taking us within the next couple of years? I see it taking us to a place where we're pushing a level of innovation with habitat design, a level of creativity that's been extraordinarily unique. I think it has us looking at things from even more so from a varied experiences that our, our animals get to participate with and our, and our guests get to participate in. I think our mission-based programs are gonna continue to grow. We are not just a facility that sees approximately three million people a year. We're gonna make sure that our, for lack of a better term, tentacles are spread out having an impact throughout the world. Understanding some of these incredibly unique and amazing species, but how their lived world is changing. I mean, there's a lot of pressure going on in the natural environment. What do we do? We're playing a role as leaders and policymakers and, and drivers in making sure that the natural environment can continue to sustain. If we're gonna do conservation and preservation, can the natural environment really handle a growth in some of these areas? And right now, it can be quite challenging. Two weeks ago, I got an opportunity to do something. It was absolutely transformative for me. I got an opportunity I do scuba dive, and I got an opportunity to go down to the Florida Reef Track, down in the Keys, and work with a program there and um, replant some corals in an area where coral had obviously been devastated. And you know, you're 20, 30 feet underwater, and you're taking these coral from an area where they're growing in one section, you're planting them in a different area I'm gonna try my best not to get emotional on this part. This area had obviously been pretty devastated um, by the impact of changing climate and some of the diseases that the corals have been exposed to. The fish are waiting. The fish are underwater waiting for more cover. They're waiting for the coral to come back. I have to tell that story a million times here about the impact of what's going on every day and how it's impacting the ocean. I mean, when you see these fish trying to find little crevices anywhere because the coral that's been their historic cover has been devastated, all right, we gotta do something. We have to do something. So it's things like that, that those messages, we have to get them out at Georgia Aquarium and we have to make sure that we get people to understand we can all do our part. It's amazing, amazing. I've been lucky enough as well to, I got scuba certified down at that attractive reef and continuing to dive down there in that South Florida area has been some of the highlights of my life and I've noticed a big change myself and that is definitely a motivator. I mean, this stuff is happening. It is happening. We need to definitely, <laughs> we need to realize that, get our heads out of the sand and, and do something about it. And I think that's one of the cool things, not only to have a president and CEO that wants to do something about it, but we have this facility that is actually doing something yes. about it. Yes. So yeah, I really look forward to seeing what we can do and continue to do in the future. 
it's my job, it's everyone else's job as well to get that message out because a lot of folks just aren't aware of how involved we actually are. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think things like this are a great way to get that message out there. All right, well, let's come right back here to the aquarium. Let's talk about if people see Dr. Brian Davis walking around the aquarium, just enjoying his day, where are you going? What's your favorite exhibit? What's your species? Where, where are they gonna find you? You know what? They will find me at every one of the exhibits here. I, I mean, no, no, and I'm not, I'm being so honest because any given day I could be somewhere. I mean, the electric eel exhibit upstairs fascinates me. The gators, I love the gators. Do I enjoy coming here and looking at this massive 6.3 million gallon entire ecosystem that we have here? Of course, who wouldn't? Dolphins are here though, so I could be sitting in front of the dolphin window and belugas watching Shiloh grow and continue. And uh, Garibaldi fish uh, or, or otters. I, I could be anywhere in this place. And so, yeah, there's not just one area. You're liable to see me anywhere and taking it all in. And because I still have a passion for it all. Like I told you, I, I, I'm looking at this stingray right now. And if you've noticed, every time the whale sharks have come by, I'm looking over here in the window. I'm still a kid at heart when it comes to, to this, these amazing animals and, and still fascinated. That's awesome. So what has been up until today? And I know, you know this podcast is probably right at the top of this list. But what has been your favorite moment or moments from your career here at the aquarium so far. Here at the aquarium Ooh, so far. Wow. Yeah, we might. Uh, My favorite moment or moments. Wow. Okay. I can give you maybe one or two. My favorite moment, one of them, is um, 2005. We opened right before Thanksgiving. And um, it was so hectic and so busy. But I got an opportunity to show my kids the aquarium really in its full capacity. And it was so busy, we were working on Thanksgiving Day. They rolled a little red wagon with the turkey and the ham and everything, and we sat in one of the classrooms, had Thanksgiving dinner, and enjoyed the aquarium. That was a memory that's sort of etched in my head forever. But I can tell you um, one of the days that was the most inspirational for me is we walked Coretta Scott King through the aquarium one evening and got the opportunity to have that experience with her. And um, that was legendary for me, to be able to walk through the aquarium. And I think by that time she, she had been in a wheelchair and, and we were walking her through and she was just very much connecting with different parts of the aquarium. And when you think about my role now and what that family fought to do in this country, that's one of the tops on my list. That's amazing. Many. That's absolutely <laughs> amazing. I mean, and, and that's the cool part about being able to, about being able to talk to you today is that over half the things you have said are things that I was, I, I didn't even know. And I work here. It's so cool to get that message. Like that's, that's extremely powerful. And we have to start kind of wrapping it up a little bit, but let's say you're, you're walking down there and you have an average guest that just comes up to you asking you for, for directions or ask you some question. And then they start kind of talking to you a little bit more. What is one of the biggest messages? What's one of the biggest takeaways 
that you love our guests, not only to visit the aquarium, but also our, our podcast listeners here. What's one of the biggest takeaways that you want them to, to have after a visit or after a Georgia Aquarium experience? Really, I want them to walk away connected. Like, what happens in the water is mind-blowing and fascinating. And so I want them to really get connected to what's happening there. But I also want them to get a sense that they can come here, have an amazing time with their family, and walk out of here energized to make sure that the ocean is functioning in the way that it should be functioning. And if we do right by the ocean and the water, it will definitely do right by us. But come, have a great time, enjoy, get connected. We want you to get connected to these animals so you take an active role in preserving this amazing ecosystem. Yeah, whale shark just went by, so uh, (laughs) of course I'm overlooking. But if we can connect you through the animals, because people have a natural passion for animals. I mean, you see what people do with their, their pets and the whole range of animals that are part of our lives. And once you make that connection, you want to do something about it. And that's what we want. I want them to walk away saying, I'm going to do something to make things better. That's awesome. Well, Brian, your journey is amazing. It's inspiring just to talk to you. You can hear the passion come through. And I swear I'm not just saying that because I'm due for a promotion. (laughs) But I'm because... (laughs) Sorry, you got to shoot your shot sometimes, guys. Uh, no, I'm kidding. In all seriousness, you have had an incredible journey. We are lucky to have you here because that passion is contagious. And you can see that passion. There is a trickle-down effect. And I've been here for six years. I'm noticing that passion just continue to surge. And that's extremely important because the older we get, you know, you kind of see a lag in that. But to actually see a surge in that, to see us move forward and continue to spread out and do these incredible things, it, it all comes down to a leader that's not behind pushing, but is in front bringing along. If you don't mind, I wanna thank you for this opportunity. It's amazing when you have a team that you work, and I'm not gonna say, you all don't work for me. We work together and I definitely work for you all to make sure you have what you need because The creativity and the energy and the innovation really comes from this staff. My job is to make sure you have the resources to do it. But you all found another avenue to be able to explore these conversations. And I want to just tell you thank you. Thank the team for finding another avenue and making sure that this message gets out there. We got a lot of work to do. It can feel overwhelming some days. But it's good work. It's really, really good work. And just thanks. Thanks for utilizing another avenue to get this message out there. So thank you for the creativity. Awesome. Really appreciate that. And guys, I think I might have just gotten that promotion. So (laughs) just kidding. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. It's been a pleasure. Guys, on our next episode, I'll be joined by a group of women who all have a unique and powerful story to share. Be sure to tune in. Until next time, this is Josh, yours in conservation, signing off. Life Below the Surface is presented by Carriage Kia in Woodstock. 
Carriage is the official car dealership of Georgia Aquarium and Georgia's leading Kia dealer. Service, community, and education are hallmarks of Carriage Kia in Woodstock. When it's time for you to lease or purchase your new vehicle, we hope you'll consider Carriage Kia in Woodstock. Check them out 24-7 at carriagekiawoodstock.com. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we thank you. We hope you enjoy this episode of Life Below the Surface. If you did, please leave us a review and share this episode with your friends. Also, please tell us which topics you would like us to cover in future episodes. Send us a message in the comments or on any of Georgia Aquarium's social media channels. I'll see you in the next episode.